Welcome to this episode of Ganado Meets podcast series on green finance. I am Nicolai Lubrano, an associate at Ganado Advocates within the asset finance and environmental law practices of the firm. And during this episode, we hope to shed light on an incredible new way of building energy projects. To tackle high energy prices and the rampant inflation, the European Commission and EU member states are actively promoting actions that help citizens reduce their energy consumption, increase their energy savings and lower their energy bills. The collective dimension of citizen engagement can particularly contribute not only to a smarter energy use, but also increasing the EU's renewable production in its shift to becoming climate neutral. And so, for this purpose, we'll be venturing into the newfound space of community energy. And who better to discuss this with than Ms. Suzanne Maas. So, Suzanne, currently a Friends of the Earth Water Climate campaigner, with a focus on climate, energy and mobility topics. You also work part-time on mobility projects with the EIT Urban Mobility Hub and the Institute of Climate Change and Sustainable Development at the University of Malta. You graduate with a distinction as an MSc in Environmental Science and as if that was not enough, a PhD in Sustainable Mobility with the University of Malta. You have a world of experience, um, quite literally, as you've worked on projects across the world in Brazil, Nicaragua, Argentina, Norway, Belgium, Cyprus, and now you find yourself in Malta. So what brings you to Malta? Hi, Nicolai, and thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, I'm originally from the Netherlands, uh, actually, but I came to Malta just over 10 years ago now. Um, initially in sort of the, well, the, the old story of falling in love with someone from Malta. Um, so we said, let's move for a year uh, to Malta to, to, to see how it is. Uh, then I also fell in love with Malta itself, thankfully. Um, and yeah, so now we find ourselves uh, still here after 10 years. I just bought a house also, so it feels like uh, it will be my home for some time to come. Um, and of course, then when I moved here, I also um, uh, became involved in environmental issues locally. So my um, bachelor and master's degree are in environmental science. Uh, so this has always been very close to my heart. And uh, even though I love Malta a lot, I also see a lot of challenges, especially uh, environmental, uh, but also social challenges. Um, and of course, then wanted to put my energy uh, towards that. So I've worked in different places on sort of different kind of uh, environmental work. Uh, as you mentioned, I did my PhD with the University of Malta, uh, so focusing on sustainable mobility uh, and also particularly um, cycling as a mode of transport, as an alternative to uh, sort of overuse of the car, which causes a lot of environmental challenges in Malta. Um, and now, uh, just over a year ago, I joined uh, Friends of the Earth Malta. I was already involved uh, for some years on the board as a volunteer. Uh, but now I joined also the team um, as the climate campaign coordinator. And so I work on energy, climate and mobility uh, projects and topics. Okay, so climate, energy and mobility obviously are very wide and uh, can, can stream off into many, many particular projects that are, which are much needed for, for Malta, especially Malta's social and environmental context. But Friends of the Earth, if you, um, Friends of the Earth Malta and you in particular, what, what uh, specific projects are you working on right now? Um, so as Friends of the Earth, we tackle quite a broad variety of issues. So we work, of course, on, on climate issues. So I'll tell you a bit more about that. But we also do projects on uh, topics related, for example, to food, agriculture, biodiversity, nature. Uh, but then my colleagues are, are more working on that. So in my uh, position as climate campaign coordinator, um, uh, I focus specifically on um, on climate change, on the relation uh, particularly with energy, of course, because that 
um, uh, is behind a lot of our uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And then also mobility, partially because that is also my background, but also because um, transport is responsible for around a third of um, uh, carbon emissions in Malta. Uh, so it obviously has a large role to play um, when we talk about um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. Um, in the campaign, we focus, let's say, on two sides of the same coin. So we um, campaign uh, for a phase-out of fossil fuels. Um, uh, we have heard uh, internationally from scientific bodies like uh, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the International Energy Agency, that we can no longer... Um, um, invest in new fossil fuel uh, projects, in new fossil fuel exploration, if we want to have a chance to stay within um, sort of the safe space for humanity um, on to continue living on Earth. So not uh, a small um, uh, There's no planet goal. B. No, no, there is no planet B and also no, no real plan B. Uh, so this is really important. So this is part of our work is to continue to push uh, the government, obviously, but also the government within um, uh, the wider governance framework, so within the EU as well, um, to move away from uh, fossil fuels and in instead to invest um, uh, in cleaner energy, so renewable energy sources. And community energy being one of those those streams which you are trying to promote. Yeah, uh -huh. so community energy is uh, something that really became um, uh, popular, let's say, especially, I would say, in the European sphere um, in the past few years. It has been around actually for a very long time. So it's been around for 50 years, I would say. It became first popular after the oil crisis in the 70s. Um, but it's one of the answers, we believe, uh, to this energy transition uh, to cleaner energy, to, com to you know, renewable energy, but also to the democratization of energy. So it's not only about the source of energy, but also changing uh, the way the energy system works. So of course, we are saying in general, we should shift, we should transition uh, to renewable energy, but particularly we, we believe in the concept of community energy because it puts people at the center and it gives people uh, agency and, and the role in the energy system more than just being uh, a consumer. Very good. So any for the benefit of the listeners, um, just to give a quick introduction into what energy community communities are they are basically and correct me if i'm wrong and see if you if you agree or disagree that they are legal entities or otherwise that empower the citizens or even small businesses because in malta we have a huge population or huge our economy is based on on smes or or, or micro smes so that's a very important um, aspect um, and they manage and consume their own their own energy they can cover various parts of energy value chain including production distribution and supply, um, and obviously as well as consumption. So, and these energy communities vary depending on the needs of the community or the, the localities and societies, and apart from the democratization of the energy and the, the, so the empowerment of ownership, ultimately it uh, contributes to reducing our CO2 emissions as, as well as energy waste. Um, so we, we've, we've honed in on, on certain benefits um, that are, are very generic in, in the sense that of em empowerment and environmental um, uh, concerns such as the reduction of CO2 emissions. When it comes to Malta, however, considering our even political scenario or even our tendency to, to focus and to enjoy the luxury of just having one person that's providing our energy and, uh, you know, we pay our bills, we get our energy and that's it. How, how do you feel that this transition is... is uh, 
being welcomed in Malta as well as by the people and, and the government or other NGOs. Yeah, so you mentioned that uh, energy communities can take different legal forms and indeed it can be a sort of a different combination of citizens, of small businesses, even local authorities. So we see a lot of examples from abroad where also, for example, the municipality is involved. This makes a lot of sense because a lot of um, sort of land or roof space uh, belongs to the public administration, so to the government or to the local government. Um, so this opens up a lot of opportunity for people to collectively invest, for example, in solar panels on a public building, let's say a school uh, or a ministry uh, or another type of government building, which, of course, has a large uh, area and especially something that's that's very relevant in Malta. Um, and is generally, you know, within the community, so offers a space uh, to invest in uh, collectively. Now, in terms of the benefits, so yes, of course, there are the benefits of if you as a group of citizens or citizens, businesses, local administration together uh, invest in solar panels, we're of course going to increase the share of renewable energy that we have in that community or in the country. Um, there are also um, uh, the direct benefits then in terms of the environmental benefits that we're relying less on fossil fuels, whether that's generated uh, at our power station or abroad. Of course, the impact is more direct if it's closer to us, but ultimately we live all on the same planet. So even if those emissions are occurring abroad and the electricity comes through the interconnector, we still feel the impact in the long run. Uh, of these greenhouse gas emissions. So these are the very obvious and, and important benefits. But there are a lot more benefits. And I'd like to give an example uh, from one of the oldest energy communities in Belgium, uh, EcoPower. Um, uh, so they are now um, a very large uh, cooperative um, uh, in, in Belgium. So they have multiple uh, sort of installations. They have solar panels. They have um, hydropower, small scale. Um, uh, they have even some wind turbines. Um, and they saw that when people joined such an energy community, they also reduced uh, their energy use overall. So it's not only about having a cleaner source of energy. It is also about the education around energy use, around the energy system, around how we can reduce our energy demand. So there are also community energy initiatives that focus specifically on um, energy efficiency or energy savings. So, for example, collectively buying um, uh, more efficient appliances or in a bigger uh, building, all changing the ACs or um, or other appliances. So beyond the the actual energy project. For yes, the, yes. So it can it can take a lot of different a forms. Effect. Yes. Um, and in this example of EcoPower, they saw that the members of the cooperative um, consume on average 50% less energy than other people in the country, so who are not a member of such an energy community. So it is, of course, these people are investing their money in clean energy and getting uh, the benefits from that, but also reducing their overall uh, energy demand and therefore, of course, reducing anyway their costs as well. Um, so there is huge potential in that, especially now that we see uh, the current energy crisis. Of course, we haven't felt so much of that yet in Malta because of the government's decision um, basically to subsidize uh, our energy and fuel costs. Um, this is not going to be allowed for much longer uh, from the EU, but also probably our public finances wouldn't <laughs> allow for doing that uh, to eternity. 
And of course, there is a certain benefit to having some increase in price because it actually pushes people to think about their energy use, to see where can we reduce our energy use. But at the same time, it is also very important that we ensure that people do not end up in a situation of energy poverty, which is something that unfortunately we have seen happening a lot uh, around Europe in, in the past winter. Um, uh, where people literally had to choose between food or fuel, uh, so heating their home or putting food on the table, uh, which is obviously a choice that you do not wish any person or family uh, to have to make. So it's also important that we use this opportunity as a way to increase our resilience to these sort of shocks, to have more capacity to produce energy locally, uh, where we have more control over you know, what the cost is, because we can predict much better. Of course, there is a cost to investing um, in renewable energy as well. But we know what the cost is, especially with solar. We know that it pays. Um, so There is the return mm-hmm. and it's proved. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think especially this community model now that we've seen, let's say, in the past in Malta, where it was maybe more common to have a townhouse or a terraced house uh, and most people had their own roof, Uh, So this is currently the only way that you can really invest in renewable energy locally. So you mentioned that we have only one, um, uh, let's say, energy uh, provider. Uh, We have one uh, distribution network, um, uh, and there is not really a choice for the consumer which electricity provider you're going to go with. It's it's just the one. Um, And the only alternative you have really is to put solar panels on your own roof. If you have a roof. If you have a roof. If you have sun on your roof. (laughs) If you have the money to set that up. If you have the capacity to to make that investment. Um, So now we see a lot of people, of course, living in in flats, in bigger apartment buildings where the roof space um, is generally owned by the, the developer or the owner of the building rather than the people living in that building. So it creates more complication over just putting solar panels yes, on Yes, yes. And I mean, just speaking from my own personal experience, while the roof space is not owned by any third party and we all have access, there is a limited space. You know, you can allow one person or you, or you, or you basically don't allow anyone. Um, and unfortunately, that is the, the, in order to, to have everyone agreed on the same front. It's, it's a no for all. So this obviously allows, um, offers a new opportunity to be able to take the benefits of, of uh, renewable energy as a, as a community. So investing in a space it can be an owner of a field or an owner of a greenhouse. It can not necessarily a public roof, roof space. So you just basically have to be able to, to prove that, that you get the amount of solar energy that you, you need from the sun, the access to the sun. Or it could be through a wind turbine. It can, because for example, in Ireland, I've seen and read about how cooperatives are, are, are built around farming communities where they all pool in their money, purchase one turbine, wind turbine, a large wind turbine, and this wind turbine provides energy for the whole cooperative. When we're talking about farming estates in Ireland, we're talking about huge amounts of, of land and huge amounts of energy. So uh, this is quite a unique um, way of not only actually investing in renewable energy and taking the benefits of renewable energy, but owning it yourself. And as you, as you mentioned, when you own something yourself, you're much more careful with it. You're not so frivolous with the way that energy is being used and you're much more, more careful. So I think that's, that's also a huge benefit to that. Uh-huh, that is. And also we've seen that through such projects, there can also be more acceptance for uh, renewable energy installations. You mentioned wind turbines, which historically in places where they are more common have sometimes caused people to say, I don't want this in my backyard yeah. because it makes some noise. There is somewhat of a visual pollution. Uh, but once the community owns that wind turbine, there is a lot less resistance. Then exactly. people are proud. They are happy to exactly. see it turning. 
I did want to focus a little bit on then the local context as well, because uh, you mentioned wind turbines. Now we don't see wind turbines in Malta on land. That is for a good reason, because our land space is severely limited. We have a lot of different uses of land uh, in the country, so it's not really a suitable uh, technology for Malta per se. Also, in terms of solar, um, um, we believe, and, and together with us, other um, uh, NGOs or farmer communities, that because the, the farming land that we have on the islands is so limited, we should be very, very careful with not letting that being taken up now by uh, solar panels. So we've seen that, for example, the solar farm policy also doesn't allow that. So it does allow, for example, solar panels on quarries that are uh, rehabilitated, sometimes even in combination with afforestation, so with planting trees or shrubs, which can work very well. But this is also why predominantly we believe we should focus on the urban area where there is already a lot of built up space. There is a lot of unused roof space. Um, and this is really the low hanging fruit here where it's closest to where the energy is also consumed, uh, which means there are less losses uh, along the distribution network. Um, and it is the space where we, we have the most potential uh, to start. However, looking forward, then you see also that this is uh, what the government is steering towards is the opportunity of offshore floating renewables. So there have been some studies on offshore fixed wind turbines, and even that is very challenging around Malta because of the deep uh, bathymetry around the island. So it gets deep very quickly, making it very hard to fix uh, the turbines. Turbine. But now there is a lot of research into technology of both uh, floating solar. There is even research at our own university in yes, that. Yes, with Professor Luciano, right? Uh-huh, Molestano, and um, also floating uh, wind turbines. And so this is really coming into maturity now, let's say so. Uh, probably in the next decade we will see that. And so now it's really important that we also see that there can be community involvement in bigger projects like that. And there are examples, as you mentioned, from Ireland. There are examples from Denmark, from Belgium, where they said a certain percentage, for example, in Belgium, they put in the tender that 20% then of the, must be of the investment must come from the community so that there is also community ownership over this and there are still the benefits that we associate with these smaller projects on a school. This can also be translated to much bigger projects uh, offshore. Superb. Um, and are you currently working on any community projects yourself within in Malta? So we are trying. Um, so basically this concept of uh, renewable energy communities really came to the forefront because two European directives put this forward. Um, so the Renewable Energy Directive and the Electricity Directive, they have slightly different definitions, but basically saying uh, that countries should make legal provisions for the creation of renewable energy uh, cooperatives or uh, citizen energy cooperatives. Um, and so Malta has adopted, has transposed that directive and adopted legislation on that. But now the next step is to really make this to implement it. sort of possible because it's one thing to put this in your law, it's another thing um, to do it in, in, in practice. So as Friends of the Earth Malta, um, and actually together with the Malta Cooperative Federation, uh, we are trying now to set up the first uh, renewable energy cooperative in Malta. Uh, we thought the best way to see how this works, how this can work, what are the barriers to implementation are just to try it. So this is what we're doing right now. Um, so we uh, worked on a small proposal. We're looking now for the first uh, pilot site. So we're hoping to find uh, a location where we can do a first um, uh, installation of solar panels uh, on a roof. We're trying to go for that as the first step because it is the most simple technology. It is the most well-known locally already. So the only sort of novelty to it is the community aspect. 
Um, the rest sort of technologically is, is pretty straightforward. So we're trying to do that. We have uh, submitted our proposal to the government to see if we can try to find a public space, uh, so a public roof space to do this pilot, but we're also speaking uh, to private entities to see um, if there is a private entity interested. Ultimately, because we believe like this, we could... Um, uh, we could try out setting this up, but then it could also open up the floor to other um, cooperatives, to other renewable energy communities. It doesn't mean there can it's be only one. It's not know? exclusive at all. It is just that we want to try it because we believe by trying, try we will find out <laughs> what are the what are the issues and how we can overcome them. And then it will begin a process for, for the next person that comes will learn from your mistakes. And yes, hopefully. <laughs> we will uh, be the guinea pigs and, yeah, and go exactly, through all the mistakes. Exactly. But this is also now the obligation of the government is to uh, investigate sort of what are the barriers to setting up uh, such renewable energy communities and how can they create a legal framework that supports these renewable energy communities. Also because, again, uh, from the EU there will be um, a push through the, um, uh, the solar strategy uh, to have at least one renewable energy community in every municipality that is over 10,000 inhabitants. So that's, for example, Birkekara, Marta Scala, St. Paul's Bay. We have quite a few uh, which which are, let's say, municipalities of that size. So by um, um, 2025, we should have at least one renewable energy community in such uh, municipalities. Great. Okay. So, I mean, this is uh, a very interesting and and encouraging to hear very interesting and encouraging to hear because it apart from it giving us an opportunity to 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 find clean air energy and then as a result is we have cleaner air and uh, you know bringing a community together that that uh, has sort of pride in in the energy that it's creating and i think as you said it earlier when we're all pulling the same rope and we're all fighting to achieve the a, a good target this is we're, we're all reaching out to achieve cleaner energy, to achieve um, the transition where we, we're reducing our CO2 emissions and where, we're, where hopefully we will achieve something that, uh, we, that there, is no, there is no negative output to it. You know, it's everything that we do in this, in this community energy is, is, is positive, which is very rare. Usually when financial produ um, products or in, in financial projects there's always something which which is is worrying, you know. But in this, it's it's quite flawless in in for, as a concept. So, um, I uh, I really do wish and hope that that you achieve your goals, and I look forward to hearing more about any any achievements in the, in the establishment of the first energy community. Suzanne, thank you very much for for coming here and educating us on what a community energy is, and we look forward to hopefully setting up another Ganado meets to hear about the mistakes or lack of, of mistakes that you've made and the progress that you've made in, in, in achieving these, these great goals. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And yes, looking forward to bring this idea to Malta. So hopefully we speak again soon. Thanks.